The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. So my guest today is Nick Pease. Nick is a lifelong spiritual medium with a degree in philosophy and a keen interest in the dichotomies between religion and science. He's also author of the spiritual thriller, Revelation, which is about life after death. Hi, Nick. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Laura. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you too. Thank you for having me on your show. Well, I am just really excited to dive in and talk to you, first of all, about your book. Would you like to talk to us about your book, Revelation? Yeah, I'd be very pleased to. Thank you very much. There it is, Revelation. Beautiful cover. Yeah, it is a beautiful cover. And you were saying about channeling. That's the extraordinary thing. When I sat down to write it, I'd had this idea, but I couldn't write fast enough, Laura. It was so inspired by spirit that I I actually wrote it longhand to start with, literally in a notebook with a ballpoint pen. And I honestly couldn't keep up. The ideas, the characters, everything just came to me so fast. I had the actual bones and the whole structure and, and everything of the novel written within a week, would you believe, because it was so inspired. Of course, then you go back and you edit and you add things and you do all kinds of things to the finished manuscript. But actually, the channeling was very, very fast. And I've tried to describe Uh that to people that you literally cannot keep up with the writing. It's just so, so fast. It was almost like I'd been taken over. And I knew that this book was a kind of culmination of my whole life. Because as you said in your introduction, I am a lifelong spiritual medium. I first started having experiences of spirit beings as a very young child. I was only four or five. Led me on a long quest of, you know, what what is this life all about? That took me through studying philosophy at degree level because I wanted to put everything under a microscope and subject it to forensic analysis and there is nothing more analytical and skeptical than philosophy which I love because I think I like to question. I then sat in 
London Circle as a developing medium, although I already recognised that I'd had a lot of experiences. But I sat in circle at the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain in London, which is the headquarters of the spiritualist movement to really refine my abilities. I don't actually call myself a spiritualist as such purely because I shy away from labels. I think they just serve to divide us. I'm a free thinker. I'm an independent spiritual human being. So I don't adhere to any one faith or no faith. I respect them all, but I won't adhere to them. I resonate with that. Just in a nutshell, the book came about because I wanted to bring all that knowledge to bear in a book, but not as a textbook, as a thriller. And it is. It's a novel. It's a thriller. It's a very fast read. It's only about 270 pages, short chapters, short paragraphs. So very quick, fast read. And indeed, the whole book is a very quick, fast, action-packed thriller. But the essence of it is, and I'll just give you the nuts and bolts of the kind of storyline, if you like, is that two brilliant young scientists, great characters, uh, Jack and Marty, are assigned by the CIA to develop a device called Revelation. They're working out in Iraq during the last war to try and develop this device to reveal everything in its energetic substance, because we know that everything in life is energy, in a far more revealing way than heat sources can do or anything like that, so that improvised explosive devices, landmines, etc., can be identified and dealt with. So it has a good purpose. But the experiment fails, and the scientists, Jack and Marty, come back to Washington, D.C. But because they're so fascinated by this subject, they've squirreled away equipment and they start working on creating revelation in Marty's cabin up in the woods near Washington, D.C. And lo and behold, like most scientific accidents, they discover that life after death is an absolute scientific nailed-on fact. I won't go into the hows and whys. People will have to read the book to find out how exactly that happens. But I have a fascination with science anyway and energy and and energetic discoveries and things. So they discover this. Marty already has a kind of ulterior motive for doing that. I won't go into that either. But suffice to say, Jack tries to take the discovery, which is probably the greatest discovery known to humankind, to his mentor, who was then the head of CIA station in Iraq, who has since risen to become White House Chief of Staff. And Jack does that thinking, this is great, they're going to love it, this will make our names and everything. And actually, this is where the thriller aspect kicks in, the very opposite happens. What he discovers is that those in power have a vested interest to close down Revelation and its inventors. They want the discovery and the inventors destroyed because it disturbs their status quo. There are other subplots going on in the novel which tell us why they want this stopped, but you've got the White House chief of staff. He has to be persuaded to be against it, but you've got the Mm. CIA, the military, the religious aspects, all these people, the key people in power, don't want the status quo disturbed and they want to close down Revelation and its inventors. What then happens is the whole novel becomes a thrilling roller coaster of events as Jack and he's then 
hooked up with uh, his girlfriend, Linda, try to stay ahead of their pursuers to stay alive and get Revelation into the public domain before they and Revelation are destroyed. All kinds of things happen. There are all kinds of characters within the book. There's humour. There's a love interest. There's powerful people. The president of the United States, who is a woman, comes into play as well. And the whole thing leads to a wonderfully uplifting, life-affirming conclusion. There's a lot in the book. And the thing I say is that you could read it just as a thriller because uh, that's what it is but actually within it I've imbued all my spiritual philosophical religious scientific knowledge because that's a lifetime of not just developing as a spiritual medium and having a degree in philosophy but I've also done a lot of reading about science about religion studied mm-hmm. them understanding how this all comes together and it poses some actually quite deep questions because if you think about it Laura what would happen if life after death could be proven scientifically as an absolute nailed on fact if there was a device such as revelation you know at the moment people have to go and see mediums or whatever it might be or they have their own experiences but if somebody could say no this is a proven fact we can now tell you 100% that life after death scientifically is proven now you and I might rejoice and say fantastic it's what we've always known Finally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant, brilliant. But this is the whole point of the book. There would be those who would actually find it a challenge, whether it's because of their political agendas, whether it's because of their religious agendas, whether it's because they are leading a regime that is profoundly atheistic and doesn't want anything to do with any of these kind of things. So you start to think and think, wow, actually, what happens in Revelation that it could be closed down. You know, so many times we find out things that have been held secret by governments or that things have been covered up. This could happen. And it poses that question. And can Jack and Linda get Revelation into the public domain before they get destroyed and Revelation gets destroyed? So it's a big, big thrilling ride all kinds of intrigue. You've got CIA involved, the military involved, religion involved, you name it. The kitchen sink is in there. But equally, you've got some fun characters. There's a character called Jason, who people who've read the book love because he's a very fun character. But he helps out Jack. And it's written very much, a lot of it's in dialogue as well, so it's an easy read. As I say, it's mostly set around Washington, D.C., so a lot of Americans will recognise the landmarks and things that are referenced. And in it, whilst you're reading it, as I say, you can read it just as a top-line thriller. It's a very quick, easy read. But actually, it's going to pose questions. It's going to make you think, and it's going to make you say, you know what, I've always thought that, or yeah, that really could happen. Or everything within it that I reference is based in fact. This is not science fiction. It's not a science fiction book. Any science I quote is the science of the day. Any religion, any politics, anything that I talk about, when we go inside the White House with the president, who is a a, a woman, as I say, everything there is referenced as it is of today. So, It's a very real book in that sense. And I hope 
those who've read it and there have been some great reviews for it recognize that it does make you think it really does pose those sort of questions so sorry that's a gallop through it but hopefully it gives you an idea of what it's about yeah (laughs) i mean gosh I can't even believe that you channeled all of that so quickly because it seems like such a a thrilling, complex storyline for having been channeled. That's pretty incredible. Well, the basic storyline was channeled, absolutely. Some of the characters and everything that I've added in to broaden it out, obviously that was more me adding it later. But having said that, that was still, whenever I'm writing or doing anything like that, I'm always aware of being spirit inspired and i know that revelation was a book that needed to be written as it were and uh, and so i'm very very happy with the end result but yes the initial channeling of the basic story this is what's going to happen life after death will be discovered as a scientific fact and then it will be tried to be closed down by those in authority how are our heroes going to get to the end and bring it to the public domain so all that was the initial channeling within a week everything else which you add in the characters i mentioned jason for example he came in later to my mind but again i believe spirit inspired but very much we need somebody like that to give it a kind of a bit of humor as well so it is but it's it's fascinating and when you feel that presence and i know you do laura all the time it's wonderful to know that they are that close to us. And that's why I think revelation is very much within the bounds of possibility. It could happen tomorrow. Who knows? It may have already happened, but... Uh, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it <laughs> You figured tomorrow. it out. <laughs> yeah, or it could happen long after I've gone or whatever. That doesn't matter. But like I say, most scientific great discoveries happen quite by accident. And I reference one or two of them, sometimes with humour within the the book. Uh, It's like one of the characters turns to one of the others at one point in the book and says, do you think Newton deliberately shook the tree? (laughs) Of course he didn't. The apple fell naturally, and that's how he discovered gravity. But that's the whole point. Science makes these incredible leaps. You know, the discovery of penicillin when some mould grew on a plant you know, so much happens by accident. And I think that's exactly how it could happen. And particularly in this day and age, with scientists more and more investigating the whole nature of the universe. And they know, since Einstein, that everything in the universe is made up of energy, and energy cannot be destroyed. And of course, spirit is energy as well. And they're investigating the nature of the universe and the nature of energy more and more. And it's almost out of that, I believe, by accident, discoveries will be made. It's like anything they do scientifically, whether it's shooting for the moon, which they did. Many people may not be aware, but so many scientific discoveries came out of the Apollo missions, quite by, you know, as as tangential to the actual missions, but they discovered other things whilst they were involved in space exploration. So this is why Revelation is actually based in reality and the possibility of what could happen. So I hope people will find it a very exciting and and thought-provoking read. Oh, I bet. And it sounds like people already have. You've been getting some really great reviews on the book. 
I have. I've had some wonderful reviews and many of them from America as well. And it's very nice to hear that when it resonates with people where you're setting the book as well. And I always knew it would have to be set in America because I wanted the without giving it away, the the finale to involve the President of the United States as the leader of the free world. And obviously you'll have to read the book to find out what, <laughs> quite why <laughs> yes. she is involved. But I think people will find it very uplifting. Wonderful. And I'll be sure to yep. include the link for it in the show notes. But would you like to share where people can find it? Yeah, it's available at all online bookstores. I mean, obviously, you think of Amazon, but Barnes and Noble and Waterstones. I don't know what online bookstores you have in in the US. I know you've got Amazon, for example. And we have Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could walk into it. You'll get there. It's on Kindle anyway, so people can get it instantly digitally. Or you could walk into a bookstore and and order it. They probably have to order it in. But uh, I know people have done that and got it within a couple of days. So it is very fast if you want the hard copy. Otherwise, Kindle, you'll have it immediately. And yeah, it's out there now. So uh, yeah, I hope people really enjoy it. And that's the thing. I, I wanted to write a book that would make people feel good. There's so much darkness in the world at the moment that I wanted a book that would, yes, pose very deep questions and make people think. But at the end of it, they put it down. And a lot of people have said they'd be moved to tears by it. But tears of happiness, wow. tears of profound yeah. feelings of hope. And the message of revelation is that we actually could all live in peace and harmony, showing compassion, toleration and understanding to each other. But how that could come about is by rediscovering the spirituality within us, which is our birthright, and which many of the ancient cultures understood and which, sadly, so much we've lost in this day and age and has been replaced by division and and war and oppression and, I don't know, regimes wanting to suppress others. I mean, it's just nuts to even be talking in this way in 2023, but suffice to say we are, which again is why I don't wear a label. I'm a free thinker. I'm still striving for greater knowledge, although I've spent a lifetime amassing spiritual knowledge, philosophical knowledge, studying science, religion, everything else to get to this point and be able to write a book like Revelation. I'm still striving. I don't know the millionth of the answers that I would want to know. And I think somebody once said, the more you know, the less you know kind of thing. It (laughs) makes you more (laughs) humble about it and think, no, I'm still on that journey. But I wanted to put all that into a book so that people could read it and and get whatever they want out of it. I like that you have a character named Jason because that's the name of my spirit guide and he is funny. (laughs) So when you describe your Jason in your book, I'm like, oh my gosh, it sounds like my Jason. You have to read it. (laughs) I always wanted one of my characters to be called Marty and that was spirit given. And it was quite extraordinary in how it was given to me. It sends shivers up my spine when I think about it because of of the synergy of, of how spirit were, were working with me at the time. Shall I share that with you now? Or? Please. Yeah. Oh, well, yes, yes. So one of the main characters <laughs> is called Marty. He's a lovely character, exuberant, full of life, great fun, but also a brilliant scientist. When I started writing... He was the first name that came to me. I absolutely knew his name had to be Marty. But there is a a backstory to the fact that his mother was a bit of a hippie and everything. And I wanted to bring that into the story. And the fact that I wanted him to have been 
conceived when his mother and his father were at Woodstock. And I wanted to make it a bit jokey and that she'd always told him that he was conceived in between two acts, The Who and Jefferson Airplane, who were playing at uh, Woodstock at the time. Now, I didn't know because I didn't follow uh, Jefferson Airplane very well, but I thought when I got his name, I thought, and oh, and they named him after somebody who was performing at, at Woodstock, you see. So after I'd got that, I start, I researched it and I looked up Jefferson Airplane and I thought, please, please, please. And lo and behold, and it still makes me shiver now, the lead singer and founder of Jefferson Airplane was a guy called Marty. Now that is incredible synergy. And I just thought, oh my <laughs> word, talk about being led, talk about being channeled. It was absolutely extraordinary. So that joke that I wanted to use, I've used, it's in the book. Wow. So Marty's mother says to Jack at one point, Jack knew about it, that his parents used to joke to him that he was conceived in between the Who and Jefferson Airplane at Woodstock. And it worked perfectly. And, and that Marty was named after the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane. So it worked perfectly, but I had been given that before I even knew that information. <laughs> I've had so many, so many instances of that throughout my life. And you just know it's like them having a little joke with you. They're that close to you anyway, where they're actually saying, we with you, don't you worry. And yeah. that's the lovely thing I find with spirit as well. They come through often with so much humour. And I've had my leg pulled so many times yeah. about yeah. the most extraordinary things that uh, happened to me or that I've been given maybe to tell somebody about their life or, or whatever. And it's <laughs> always given with love, always given with huge amounts of compassion and understanding, but also humour. And that's the beautiful thing. And so when I was given that, yeah. wow, because I know you're very interested in the whole channeling side of life and living. And when you're doing that, it just affirms everything. You just think, okay, it's a trivial example. I could give many others which are much deeper, much bigger if we had the time. But it's just a, a small example of things that happen that just say, we're with you. You have nothing to fear. If you ask for help, help will be given. Doesn't mean that life's a bowl of roses or anything like that. We all have our trials and tribulations. But what it does mean is that we can recognise that spirit are that close and they do want to help and guide us. We won't be spared difficulties, but that's life. And I think once you can understand that that is the human condition, as it were, life becomes e easier in some ways because you say, OK, I've got to take this pill, but there's reason for it. I'm learning all the time. This life I'm, I'm living is a learning curve. Some of it's great. Some of it's not so great, but it's all for a purpose. And I will take this back with me into the spirit world. But yeah, I love, love telling people that story about the naming of Marty. And I wasn't going to change it. I thought, well, if this doesn't turn up trumps, I'm going to have to find a way of shoehorning <laughs> Marty in some other way. His name was Marty from the get-go. Yeah. And when that was confirmed, I thought, oh, my word. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It also reminds me of Marty McFly from Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yes yeah. indeed yeah, yeah 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 on his time machine <laughs> yeah 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 but uh you know inspiration comes to you from from spirit in all kinds of situations and ways and it's trying to recognize it isn't it and trying to 
still yourself and see through the kind of fog of human existence in in this day and age, which is, as I said earlier, there's a lot of dark things around us and everything, and it can make it quite hard for spirit to communicate with the earth vibration because of the different frequencies that we're operating on. We have such a dense frequency now to earth life that I often have to explain to people, you can't just dial spirit. It's not that easy. And the whole lifetime of meditation and development that I took myself on when I developed as a spiritual medium and everything at the SAGB, you do have to discipline yourself and learn techniques and ways of protecting yourself and opening yourself up and questioning, always questioning, being sceptical, because I think it's important to be sceptical, not just to accept everything. It's a lifetime's work to get there, but it's so rewarding. Oh, yes, definitely. So I'm curious, what or who was behind the channeling for you of the book? Well, that I had the idea of sort of what would happen if... Because as a spiritual medium, obviously, you have experiences of the spirit world, as it were, as do most people. But most people don't necessarily recognize it or indeed want to develop it. And there's still a lot of inbred fear into people to do with it. But when I had just the basic idea of what would happen if somebody could invent a device that would 100% prove that life after death is a scientific fact, once you've got that idea, then when I sat down and thought, right, this has the elements of a thriller because I'm already thinking, no, it wouldn't just be plain sailing. There would be people who would be opposed to it because you only have to look around the world to see how governments and institutions, and yes, one has to point the finger at some religious institutions as well, tend to try to quell the truth if it's against their particular dogma or doctrines that they want to espouse and get the people to believe. So I thought, no, it's not going to be plain sailing, so we can make a thriller out of that. So when I sat down, I did ask Spirit for help. I always do that, whatever I'm creating or doing. I'm an advertising copywriter by profession. That's what I do for a living. And even when I'm writing for people, and I write for some wonderful organisations who are trying to do a lot of good in the world, and that's by choice. I won't work for people who are just there for financial profit or whatever it might be. But suffice to say, I will always ask for inspiration and help, and Spirit will give that. I still have to work hard at what I do, whether it's writing revelation or writing a piece of advertising copy or whatever. I still have to come up with ideas and things. But I know I'm being helped by my guides and helpers and those on the other side who wish to come through and help. So (laughs) when I sat down, I didn't deliberately think, am I going to channel revelation? I didn't have that sort of cognitive thought as such. But that's exactly how it happened. I thought, I'm going to ask Spirit for help, but how that help is given... I've come to accept. I just must accept it. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to question it in terms of how it's going to come or, or anything else. Leave that to spirit. I trust. And therefore, when I sat down and I opened my notepad and put pen to paper, that's when they just whoosh. It was just, wow. Yeah. I literally just couldn't keep up. And that's the fantastic thing about it. What are your thoughts about spirit guides? Yeah, we all have them. We don't all recognize them because <laughs> yeah, like they, a lot of people aren't open to it. And why should they be? I, I'm never here to preach to people and say you should believe this or should believe that. Not at all. 
that's partly why I studied philosophy. I wanted to be sceptical about it and analytical. But I couldn't help it because from early childhood I was hearing and then seeing spirits. But spirit guides I became more aware of as I got into my late teens and early 20s. And particularly then when I was sitting in circle at the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain. And you learn to open yourself up to guides and let them come through. And I know that everybody will have particular guides who will walk with them throughout life. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's two, whatever. But you'll also have other guides and helpers who will come in at particular times of life, could be through difficult times, whatever it might be. They will be there at those times where you need specific help or guidance or whatever it might be. And they can come in different shapes and forms and all the rest of it. I know it's very popular sometimes with some people to sort of poke fun at guides because often they'll show themselves to us in the guise of particularly like Native Americans or people like that. And I always remember that uh, one of the very well-known guides, Silver Birch, who came through to a famous circle that sat back in the 20th century in London, he showed himself to the circle as a Native American. And he was very humble, and his teachings to that circle were very beautiful. They're actually written down in several books. But when asked, he said, I'm not actually a Native American. I was never a Native American. But he said, the reason I'm coming through and showing myself to you as a guide in the form of a Native American is because that's one of the highest forms of spirituality that humankind has ever achieved here on Earth. In other words, you know, he's not going to come back as a modern politician, is he, or something <laughs> like that, or a military commander or something. Now, nobody's saying the Native Americans were perfect in, in days gone by. The tribes used to fight each other and all the rest of it. But in terms of um, the spirituality that they expressed, and indeed still do today, and I visited a, a reservation myself, it's beautiful, that idea that the Great Spirit is in everything, not just ourselves, but the mountains, the water, the air, the buffalo. When they hunted the buffalo, they would pray to the spirit of the buffalo. They would use every part of that buffalo. They would never waste. They would never just slaughter buffalo for their hides or just for trophies or whatever. And they tried to live as spiritual a life as they could. And they were very aware of the nature of life after death and the fact that we are spirits in the material world and that's why i'm digressing a bit but just to explain because if there's people listening to this may not necessarily understand how profound this is because it's a very very big subject when you get into guides and things and why they present in in that form that's why it's the highest form of spirituality that they can attain by lowering their vibration to the earth's level of vibration conversely mediums have to heighten their level of vibration and the frequency that we're vibrating on. We know energy is all about vibrations and frequencies, as Einstein proved. 
so that that communication can take place. It's not easy, especially with the dense atmospheres that are now clogging the earth because of the wars and the conflicts and, and the hatred and everything that is round and about us. There are still millions of people trying to do good. But actually, it's difficult. But it's quite an indictment, I think, that why don't guides and helpers come through that often as modern-day people? As I say, like our modern-day politicians or military commanders or anything, it's because that spirituality, a lot of it, has been lost. And in many cases, what the ancient cultures had was literally beaten out of them. I mean, you look at the history of the Aborigines or many of the African, uh, the Bantu-speaking tribes and, and people, great spirituality. A lot of the Far Eastern, you know, the Foian people in Papua New Guinea, etc. Et immense spirituality initially within all those people that was, a lot of it was subjugated because other people wanted to impose their systems on them. I'm digressing a little bit but only to explain, as I know you'll understand a lot of it, as to the nature of guides and why they show themselves to us in this format. And many people will say, well, I've got an Egyptian guide or, or whatever it might be. Now, it is possible to have guides and helpers who are much closer to you, who may have been even known to you. You may have a favourite grandmother or somebody like that who will come through and be walking with you in this life as a kind of guide. Helper, but they're not on that same frequency, that same level. And I'm often at pains to people to say, look, it's not just this world and the next world. It's not just one spirit world. There are many levels, many dimensions to the spirit world. So guides and helpers, the really highly evolved spirit guides like Silver Birch is, that's very different to somebody who may have passed away like 50 years ago or something and is still on their spiritual journey, but because they are linked to you through love and love links can never be broken, will want to help you. So sorry, rather a long answer, <laughs> but, but it is a complex, very big subject. And a lot of these things that we'll talk about, as you know, Laura, are such big subjects that I could talk about each one individually for hours. Right. <laughs> but I've tried to skim over it just to give an idea. But I think it's important to just address that one thing, because I know people do like yes. to laugh and say, oh, Native Americans, yeah, ha ha, why is your guide become... There's a very good reason for it. And actually underneath it, stop laughing, because that is an indictment of modern man. It is an absolute indictment that we haven't attained a greater spirituality to be able to say, well, they'll come back as whatever, because there's been people who have lived, there have been some people who have lived very, very spiritual lives, obviously, and attained great spirituality. And there are still movements around the world today. There's a lot of good in a lot of Buddhism and things like that. Wonderful. But generally speaking, they do come back in that guise because that's how they want to show themselves. It's fascinating. And the lovely thing is they do want to help. People say, oh, you know, you're dabbling with the occult or anything. Absolute nonsense. It's got nothing to do with the occult or with dabbling with the devil or something. These are all fabrications, fabrications made by humankind to subjugate people and make them live in fear. You are not dabbling with anything. When guides and helpers and loved ones come through from the other side, they come with immense love. They come with humour. They come with compassion, 
with toleration. They never come to judge. They never come to tell you, do this, do that. You're doing right. You're doing wrong. They come with immense understanding and always, always with great love. And I always say to people, what can possibly be wrong with that? If that's what you call dabbling with the devil, then maybe you should look in the mirror at yourself and say, what are you dabbling with? Because <laughs> right. if you think that is wrong, then what's your system? <laughs> right. And I, I'm quite outspoken about these things, as you can tell. But, you know, after sure. a lifetime yeah. of learning, I won't put up with dogma. I won't put up with people with blinkers around their eyes and with people being short sighted, not being open minded. I'm not asking people to believe anything I say. I often say to people, please don't believe a single word I say. You go and find your own truth. But what I will do is I gladly share what I have learned over my lifetime. It's then up to people to decide what they want to do with it. And just to finish that the little subject of, of guides, one of the things that Silver Birch always said to his circle, which I thought was beautiful, was if anything offends your reason, reject it. If anything I say offends your reason, reject it. And I remember thinking, wow, at last, somebody who's actually willing to <laughs> nail their colours to truth, to say, don't just believe what we're going to tell you. If you examine what we tell you and decide it's not for you or it offends your reason, reject it. Now, that's confidence. That's confidence because you're talking from mm -hmm. the truth. You're not trying to talk from a set of beliefs or I want you to believe this because it suits my purposes, whether they be political, religious, whatever it might be. I want you to believe your own truth. And that's beautiful. And that's true spirituality. That's true recognition of the individual power of the individual. And each and every person who is born into this life, whether they are born into great riches, into great poverty, with difficulties, whether they go through disease, whether they win the lottery, whatever it might be, they are a beautiful individual spiritual being. They're here to learn lessons. Life can be damn tough at times. We all know that. We're all going to lose people at some point. We could go through breakups, work difficulties, whatever mm -hmm. it might be, as part of the condition of humankind. And we learn lessons and we take those lessons back into the spirit world. And it's when you have that perspective, that spiritual perspective on life, things just become far clearer and you understand things and you don't put up with being told things just because they fit a particular agenda. And you want people to live in peace and harmony and to show toleration and compassion to one another. And nobody's perfect, and I'm certainly not perfect, but, you know, to, to try and have that kind of spiritual perspective on life. So writing Revelation for me as well, as I channeled it, I thought, I understand why spirit want to put this sort of thought into the world, because if that really did happen, if a device could be invented what would that do to life on earth would people question and say you know what it's like people who've had near-death experiences people who've died on the operating table or in a car crash or whatever and have actually gone on to the other side and then come back as they've been revived and been told it's not yet their time and universally they all describe it as just like stepping into another room and they have the most extraordinary experiences, many of them very consistent. But this is people who are otherwise quite sceptical. You know, you might be a scientist 
policemen, military people, whatever, and they all come back and say the same thing. And what's remarkable is having had that experience, how they then live their lives. Because with that perspective of saying, you know what, I've got nothing to fear. I have absolutely nothing to fear because I recognise the reality of life after death. And that's what I would love a device like Revelation to, to be discovered and give that to the world. Probably, as I say, it won't happen in my <laughs> lifetime, but one can live in hope. I know, but I feel like, Nick, the work that you and I do are the stepping stones for preparing the world for something like that. Yes. Yeah. I think it's coming, and I do greatly believe in that. And they say that the dawn is the darkest hour. And sometimes when you look around the world today and you see what's happening in Ukraine and Syria and some of the African countries and and just the way a lot of people are living their lives and there's quite a lot of selfishness around and people just not living in, in harmony. I know I've quoted it before when I've done chats on podcasts and things, but I'll do so again. I always remember when Bill Clinton left office and love him or hate him, that's not the point. He gave a fantastic speech to the, I think it was to the United Nations. And he actually stood up and said, as somebody who has experience of having been the president of the United States and understanding how world systems work, he said, you know, we could feed clothe, water, shelter, every single human being on earth. We have the ability, we have the resources, if we just had the willpower. And that's the rub. We're all looking after our own interests, we're all countries particularly and everything, but that ability does actually exist. We could do it. We could look after our planet Earth far better than we do. We could look after one another far better than we do. But we don't have that will. The politicians aren't giving it to us. Religion isn't giving it to us. Very few areas of the world are actually striving to do that. And you hear horrendous stories. You know, I'm in the UK and obviously Europe's on my doorstep, even though the UK has left the European Union. But even so, you hear horrendous stories that purely for political reasons, there are mountains of food going to waste and being destroyed purely because it exceeds quotas or it exceeds you know, agreements between particular countries. Oh, you've produced too much butter, therefore we have to destroy it rather than give it to people who might need it. So all this is going on in the world. And I think you look around and you can get quite distraught about some of the horrendous oppression and suppression that is going on. But as I said, the darkest hour is before the dawn. And you and I know that the dawn is coming and that a greater awakening is coming, a greater spirituality is coming. It's very noticeable how many more empaths are coming into the world, how there is far greater awareness for these things. There are groups springing up everywhere, striving and looking for a greater truth. There are channeling groups, people looking for a better truth and a, a deeper spirituality, which they're not finding currently in many of the sort of orthodox systems that are around the world. So, yeah, I think uh, bring it on. As I say, I, pro I probably won't be around to see it, but that doesn't matter. I have a wider perspective on life and I'll be in the spirit world by then. But I hope very much that does come. 
we're on borrowed time. We're destroying our planet as we speak. We're destroying many of our fellow human beings as we speak, and we're allowing others to die needlessly. And there has to be a new spirituality. There has to be an awakening, a real slap around the face. Now, I think something like Revelation would be that slap around the face if somebody invented a device that proved life after death scientifically is an absolute fact. But that slap around the face could come from other things. I know a lot of religious people live in hope of a second coming. I don't think so, but they could certainly live in that hope. Other people would love aliens to come down or uh, an enlighten us or whatever, something. But the earth needs that big slap around the face and told to wake up and recognise that if we carry on the way we are, it's not looking good. So things have got to happen. But thankfully, as you say, and I'm on the same page as you, I'm an optimist, absolute optimist, and I believe that better things are coming. A new spirituality, a new awakening is coming. I see it all around me. A lot of young people, a lot of new empaths coming into the world, being born at exactly the right time to herald this kind of new age, as it were. I don't care if people think I'm crazy and people think I'm mad for talking about these things. Brilliant. I'm happy to be the one who walks in the other direction to the way that the herd go, if that's the case, because the herd ain't doing so well at the moment. (laughs) 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 Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, Nick, I'm really glad that you talked about those things. I think that those things are really important and need to be said, especially for those of us doing this work, because like you said, it's not always a bowl of roses. Right. There is this other side of, well, this is also why we're doing this. So thank you for sharing that to the listeners and to myself. Now, I'm wondering to help wrap up our interview. Do you have a message for the listener for the time that they hear this episode? I don't give a message of believe anything I say or anything like that. My message to people is always, I hope you find your own truth. I hope that something inside you will be awakened enough for you to want to find out more about the nature of existence, the meaning of life, and the fact that we are spirits in this material world, and we go on to another level of existence, that life after death is a reality. And I often say to people, if there is a message, I'll say, just think of this, of the millions and millions of people who have experiences with spirits every year, many of them downright sceptics. They may be scientists, they may be people with jobs that make them naturally sceptical, whether it's in the military, the police or whatever, like I mentioned earlier. Of the millions of those experiences, do you seriously think that they're all wrong? Because that just doesn't bear testimony. And just one has to be true to prove that life after death is a reality. Now, you and I are fortunate or unfortunate, view it how you want, that we've had those experiences. I know I've had spirit experiences where I've interacted with spirit beings. And it's so real that for me, the fact of life after death is an absolute fact. But I recognise that unless you have that experience for yourself, you're going to be naturally sceptical. And so you should be. I welcome scepticism. I think you should always question until Mm -hmm. you find that. But my one message to people is, 
please do. Please do go on that search for greater meaning, greater truths, greater spirituality. Because if you think that the whole meaning to life is just the here and now, I find that quite a nihilistic sort of way of looking at the nature of existence. And the reason for discovering a greater spirituality is because it adds so much to your own life and it doesn't mean you're tied to anything. You're not tied to a faith, you're not tied to spiritualism, you're not tied to, to anything at all. You are a free thinker, which is how you are meant to be. You're a beautiful, individual, spiritual, free thinker. And that's your birthright. You deserve it. You deserve to go through life and enjoy life whilst also learning whatever lessons are thrown in your way. So I would just say to people, please at least try to find your own truth. And maybe you feel you have. Brilliant. If you have, whatever it might be. And if that is a faith, good for you. I'll respect that. But please try to find that kind of truth. And I hope it is a truth that within it has underpinning it great toleration, compassion and understanding for the rest of humankind, for the animals and for our planet. And I just wish everybody peace, love and happiness. Oh, that's such a wonderful message. Thank you so much. Now, Nick, can you just quickly share and I'll also put in the show notes where people can find you? Yeah, probably the best way is via Instagram. It's peas underlined Nick and I'm there and I'm very open to people. I'll happily share anything they want to ask of me. As I say, I don't try to preach or anything, but if people want to ask questions, I'll gladly share my knowledge. And yeah, it's just nice to hear. And particularly if anybody buys the book and reads it, I'm always interested to hear what they think of it. And uh, that's always very interesting and fulfilling. So uh, yeah, please underline Nick on Instagram. That's probably the best way. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for your time, Nick, and for sharing your knowledge and your truth with the listener and with myself. I really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.